The reading this morning is taken from the book of Acts. It's in two sections, beginning in chapter 1, and it's going to be verses 1 through to 9. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. One occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And we then turn over the page to chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord.
Wonderful. Right, Jen is going to come and unpack those scriptures for us now. Um, I've already heard it, so I know it's good. But, uh, <laughs> let's pray for her as she comes. Lord God, thank you for bringing uh, Jen to us this morning to speak about these wonderful stories from Acts. Stir our hearts as we listen to her. We're just singing, open the eyes of my heart. I pray that as she speaks, the ears and eyes of our hearts will be opened. So we might hear your voice and see your face. Amen. Good morning. Great to be with you today. I've been really looking forward to coming and sharing with you on uh, what I know for you is the first in a, in a new series, a brand new series called Power to the People, where you're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm going to be starting off with looking at the Spirit Acts. And um, the title of my message today is What a Difference a Day Makes. What a Difference a Day Makes. These two passages of scripture, Acts 1 and Acts 2, describe two history-defining days for the disciples and for us as followers of Jesus. Ascension Day and Pentecost. Ascension Day was the day when Jesus ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and any title that can be given, both in the present age and in the age to come. You see, Jesus did not just slip away quietly after his resurrection. Acts 1 tells us that there was actually a period of 40 days between his resurrection and ascension into heaven. You know, in the Bible, numbers often have a significance, and the number 40 actually is the number of preparation. And we're told in Acts 1 that Jesus, throughout those 40 days, appeared many times to the disciples. He was preparing them. He was giving them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He was teaching them about the kingdom of God and building their faith, preparing them for what was about to happen. They were about to step into the Great Commission. The baton is now being passed to them. And so Luke begins this book of Acts. Luke, the writer who also wrote Luke's gospel, he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began teach and to do and then he says this until until when until the day he ascended into heaven after giving instructions through the holy spirit to the apostles he had chosen you see luke is wanting to make a distinction here between what jesus began to do and to teach while he was on earth and what he will now continue to do and to teach through the disciples by of the Holy Spirit. So Ascension Day comes and, and Jesus reminds the disciples before he's taken into heaven, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait. Wait for the gift that I've promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus had taught the disciples many times about the Holy Spirit and here before he goes, he's reminding them, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. But you know, the disciples ask a really strange question. 
They say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of God, the kingdom to Israel? You know, it shows that really they still don't understand after all Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God, they still haven't quite got it. They think that Jesus is talking about a political kingdom, an earthly kingdom, that they think he's going to restore the kingdom, the nation of Israel to how it was when David was on the throne, that the Romans are going to be removed from power. And I don't know about you, but I think if I was Jesus at that point, I think I might have been just thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to extend my stay here. I'm going to have to postpone going back to heaven. I'm going to have to spend a bit more time with these guys, helping them to understand that the kingdom of heaven is not about a geographical location or an earthly political system. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is where the rule and reign of God is established. But Jesus gives no hint of frustration. He does the exact opposite. He turns to them and he says, it's not for you to know the times and dates that the Father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, the disciples are asking, Lord, when will you? And Jesus turns to them and he says, no, you. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. I am now passing the baton on to you. You see, sometimes I think we miss the significance of Ascension Day. But Ascension Day is like a bridge into a new season. Luke's gospel is drawing our attention to the significance of this. He's, he's you know, Luke's gospel all about what Jesus began to do and teach while he was on this earth. But Acts is all about what Jesus continued to do and to teach through the disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's also an until at the end of that. Until Jesus returns. You see, one day Jesus is coming back for his church. And in that in-between time, in that space in between, God is wanting to work through you and through me. You see, the book of Acts is still being written through our lives today. What a difference a day makes. The ascension changed everything. The word ascend in English actually has a double meaning. It means to go up, but we also talk about ascension, someone ascending to a throne. That means to be crowned king or queen. An ascension day is when Jesus sits down at the right hand of the Father crowned king. He's the head of the human race. You know, that's really significant. You see, Jesus came to this earth as a man. He was fully God, but fully man. And as, because he was man, because he was human, he was limited by time and space. If you wanted to talk to Jesus, you had to go where he was. He could only be in one place at one time. But when Jesus ascended into heaven, he left the limitations of the time and space continuum. And he passed into the presence of the Father. Jesus is still human. He's still our advocate. And yet he has now been so glorified that everything that Jesus does now has a cosmic scope. All of his healing power, all of his peace, all of his strength, all of his wisdom is now released to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Timothy Keller, who's a well-known author, Bible teacher, and pastor in America, he says this, the apostles thought that Jesus ascended 
meant that they were losing Jesus. But ascension is not the absence of Christ. It is the increased, heightened presence of Christ. The ascension is not the loss of Jesus' leadership, intimacy and protection. It is the infinite magnification of it. You see, the ascension is like a detonator that just set into motion all of the work, the finished work of Jesus. When Jesus ascended into heaven, everything he was and is is now going to be released through the Holy Spirit. You see, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we carry the very presence of God. And the presence of God changes everything. The presence of God is our defining feature as Christians. The presence of God changes everything. What a difference a day makes. The ascension had a profound impact on the disciples. Up to the moment Jesus ascended, the disciples seemed to be puzzled, trying to figure everything out. But after the ascension, Luke's gospel adds in a little bit more detail and tells us that they returned home, worshipping him, travelling back to Jerusalem with great joy, and they maintained a regular presence at the temple, worshipping God. And so the disciples now wait, as Jesus had told them. Not passively, but actively, they're praying, they're worshipping God. They're anticipating the Holy Spirit. And ten days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples. In contrast to the ascension, Pentecost was actually a very public event. The disciples, the believers are all together in one room and then suddenly there's a, there's a sound like a violent wind. Wind or breath in the Bible is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It was also fire, or what seemed like tongues of fire that came to rest on each of them. Fire in the Bible is a, is a symbol of the divine presence is a symbol of the presence of God. You know, we think about Moses, for example, at the burning bush. So there's this violent wind, there's tongues of fire. All of them were filled and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. These were actual languages that were spoken in those days, but languages the disciples had never been taught. And understandably, it causes such a commotion that it draws a crowd. You see, the Feast of Pentecost was actually one of three annual Jewish festivals. Jews from all over the world had gathered to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And the crowd is bewildered and confused because each of them are hearing the wonders and the glory of God declared in their mother tongue. They were not expecting that, and certainly not from Galileans. Did you know that Galileans actually had a reputation for being uncultured? The way they spoke, their particular accent, meant that they swallowed syllables and so they were really looked down on in Jerusalem. And yet here they were, uneducated, uncultured, declaring the wonders of God in a language they had never been taught. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's hardly surprising that people were amazed and asked, what does this mean? But some made fun and just said, oh, they've, they've had too much wine. And then Peter seizes the opportunity, bold as a lion. The same Peter who weeks ago could not even tell a servant girl that he knew Jesus. 
Now, suddenly, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter stands up, raises his voice above the commotion and says, these people are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. See, at the Feast of Pentecost, the Jews would have fasted and they would not have broken their fast until 10 a.m. in the morning. So it was highly unlikely that they would be drunk at 9 a.m. And Peter says, no, these men are not drunk. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he begins to quote scripture. He says, in the last days, which is another way of saying from now on, from now on, I will pour out my spirit, God says, on all people. You know, that word, when when the Bible talks about pouring out the spirit, it's this sense of a heavy tropical rainstorm. I don't know if you've ever been caught in something like that, but I lived in Australia for a couple of years and, oh my goodness, I was caught in a rainstorm and never seen anything like it. But literally, within minutes, it was as though someone had literally taken a bucket of water and thrown it all over me because I was drenched. And that's the picture when we think about the Holy Spirit being poured out. You know, it's not, this is not a drizzle or, or a shower. Actually, this is a complete downpour. This just just communicates the extravagance and the generosity of our God, that he is not holding anything back from us. Everything that he has, everything that he is, he is wanting to pour out on us as his people to equip us for the work that he has given us to do. The Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of us, regardless of your age, regardless of your background, regardless of your gender, whatever you've done, whatever is in your past. It's available to all of us. If you love Jesus today, the Holy Spirit is available to you. You simply have to be willing to receive him. His river will never run dry. There is fresh power for you today. But in this, in this passage in Acts 2, we also see the, the timing of God. You know, God's timing is perfect. You see, Jesus had told the disciples to wait How many of us know it's not easy to wait? We get impatient, particularly in our age now, of a kind of 24-7 drive-through culture. I don't know if the disciples really understood back then why they needed to wait those 10 days. But you know, isn't it amazing that actually on the day of Pentecost, Jews from all over the world were gathered in that one place? You see, Jesus, before he he ascended, he told the disciples that they were going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I wonder when Jesus said that, whether they felt like, really, like, can we really take it to the ends of the earth? How are we going to make that happen? I wonder if they felt daunted by that task. I know I would have. But then, within minutes of receiving the Holy Spirit, they are witnessing to Jews from all over the world. Isn't it amazing that in that first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God brought those people to them. I bet when they talked about that day, they were like, how amazing is God? How amazing is God? You know, Pentecost reminds us that this is Jesus' work. He goes ahead of us and he prepares the way. He invites us to join him. When we wait on him, when we follow his lead, he will always position us in the right place at the right time. You know, it's very likely that some of those who responded to Peter's message that day would have taken the good news of the gospel back to their city, their town, their country. 
God was preparing the way for the spread of the gospel. And as you read Acts, you will see how the way was often prepared for Paul and others by those who had become believers at Pentecost. God's timing is perfect. And as I was praying for you this week, I I just really felt that maybe there's some of you here and you're feeling overwhelmed by the enormity of the task, by the enormity of the, the mission ahead of you. And I just believe that God wants to encourage you. You are not alone. This is his work. And he wants to fill you again with his spirit. And for you to know that that he is with you and that he is for you. And so in these last few moments, there's so much that I could share about the Holy Spirit. And I know over these next few weeks, you're going to be unpacking how does the Spirit work and how does he work in our lives and in the lives of others and talking about some of the amazing acts and power of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? But in these last few moments, I, I just wanted to share something of how the Holy Spirit has made a, a difference in my life. Peter, in this Acts 2, he talks about God pouring out his spirit, the, and when he does so, that everyone, every single person will be able to prophesy. And you know, prophecy is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And really, at its heart, prophecy is about communicating the heart of God. You see, God is really for people. He's always wanting to affirm people. And, you know, prophecy is about communicating God's comfort, God's strength, God's heart to people. God always begins with an affirmation in our lives. God wants to speak to us. And, you know, one of the most life-changing days in my life was 11 years ago, and I was in Australia, in Sydney, um, at Bible College, and I uh, went to a a coffee shop at the end of my le- after my lecture before I went home and wanted to get a takeaway coffee and I was just stood there in the queue holding my ticket ready for them to call the number and there was a guy in, in the year that he wasn't in my class but he was in the same year and he was someone that everyone would have noticed because he was about six foot three and built like a rugby player and um, he came across to me and he said have you got a minute and I said yeah okay so we sat down at this table and he just begin, began to say to me uh, some things about my life. You know, I actually had quite a traumatic childhood, and as a result of that, I struggled a lot with anxiety in my adult life. And actually, that move to Australia had triggered a lot of that anxiety, and I was actually struggling with it in that moment. And he said to me, just briefly, some of the stuff that had happened, and he said, God wants to increase your level of peace. And he looked at the ticket that I was holding, and it had the number six on it. And he said, if your level of peace right now is six, God wants it to be 6,000. And you know, I just really felt the presence of God in that moment. My faith just lifted. And I walked home and I I was like, God, I can't believe that I'm in a coffee shop in Australia and you would send someone to speak to me, to encourage me. But that's what God is like. He wants to connect with you. He wants to speak to you. I look back on that moment and I can just see how God time and time again has been increasing my level of peace. And you know, I I went away from that moment and not only did it really encourage me personally, but it really inspired me. I just thought, I want to be like that. I want to be a person like that. I want to be able to walk into a room and just bring the presence of God. I want to be someone that actually imparts something of the heart of God wherever I go. 
And you know, last year I, um, I was on a course. I, in the last 18 months, I've set up my own business. And six months into that, I was invited to go on a course for startups, so other people that are in a similar position to me. And at the beginning of the course, the, the, the course leader encouraged each of us to, each time we met together, to bring what she called a token. It would have been something like a book we'd read or perhaps a website or perhaps some resources that we'd found helpful in us as we were building our business. And we were about four weeks into the course and I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Jen, why don't you just encourage them? Why don't you just let that be your token this week? And I kind of wrestled with it a bit. I was like, oh, how's this going to work? Um, anyway... So I went in, I said, okay, God, I've, I prayed beforehand. I was like, okay, please, would you help me to say something that is really pertinent for each of them? Let it mean something, because you know them, God. And so I went in, and the lady, the uh, course leader said, has anyone got a token today? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I need to get in there straight away before I change my mind. <laughs> I explained, I just said, I just want to encourage everyone and say what I've seen in you. If that's okay, just one thing, how would you feel about that? She's like, yeah, let's go for it. So I went round and I just said one simple thing about each person. And while I was speaking, one of the ladies in the group was running late. And so she came in partway through and she sat down and then I also said something to her. And honestly, it really lifted the atmosphere in the room. You could see people's faces were really beaming. But you know, at the end, this lady actually came up to me and she said to me, she said, how did how did you know that? She said, because I was walking from the car park into the room and she said, I was thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm strong enough to do this. And she said, and you said to me that you, you see that I'm strong. She said, you, you told me that I'm resilient. She said, how, how, how did you know that? You know, that is what God is like. He's wanting to encourage people. He's wanting to reach out and connect with people. And so, you know, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I, I think one of the easiest ways, one of the most simplest ways, because we can so overcomplicate it, to get started is just to begin to encourage. Look for opportunities to encourage people in the church, outside of the church, and just see what God will do to open up people's hearts. What a difference a day makes. Acts 1 and Acts 2 tell us of two history-defining days for the disciples and for us as followers of Jesus. But I want to say that today can also be a history-defining day for you. Because in a moment, I, I would love to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit Maybe that's the first time or maybe you've received the Holy Spirit many times, but Paul encourages us to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need that fresh oil every day. And so I'm just going to invite you to, if you would like me to include you in that prayer, I just want to invite you to close your eyes. Just turn your heart towards God. If, if you want, perhaps you want to maybe put your hands out as if you're ready to receive something. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Touch every person here. 
Pray for fresh strength, fresh vision, a fresh sensitivity to your presence. I pray that every person would know that they are important to you, that they matter to you. And I pray, Father, that those streams of living water, as as they connect to you, as they drink deeply from your spirit, that streams of living water would flow out of them. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.